0: Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm Claude Cruz. Now that we've opened the door in our exploration of this vast space of relationships, we need to decide where we want to start. Sensibly enough, I think the answer is let's start at the start. Our most important relationship is with ourselves. Without self-knowledge, we're going to be like trying to nail gelatin to the wall. We'll be picking incompatible partners, pursuing things and people that don't make us happy, and we'll be unable to be truly present and genuine in our relationships with others. So having a good relationship with oneself having appropriate self-love, for example, and self-appreciation, knowing who we are and what we want for our own lives is the foundation for all other relationships. But what do we mean by self-knowledge? Briefly, there are two pieces to that puzzle. One is who we are and the other is how we act. Let's peel the onion on these a little bit and uh, dig in. So regarding who we are, We need to know what motivates us, the things that we really care about. We know that we all put our energy and focus on what we love and what we care about. That includes things that we like to do, for example, rock climbing or book clubs or gourmet cooking. It also includes things that we prefer. They can range from classical music or tennis or modern art or so many other things. And it also covers The the many things that give us personal meaning, things that range from, for example, wealth to service to others or spiritual practice, there's no one-size-fits-all. We all differ in each of these dimensions. We know that we're able to force ourselves to do things we don't love. We all remember being asked to wake up to get to high school classes on time when we'd much rather sleep till noon. But we can use discipline or we can be motivated by fear of consequences if we don't do what we're supposed to be doing, or we can have a belief that something that is disliked by us is still worth doing, but we're basically built to pursue our self-interests. Knowing what we believe in, the lens through which we interpret all of our interactions with the world, is really important stuff. What we believe in, biases and in a real sense effectively distorts how we perceive our experiences and interactions. That means that there's truly no such thing as seeing the world objectively. That's just the way human cognition works. We're neurobiologically creatures who take context into account when we interpret the things that are going on around us. We can interpret any given occurrence in different ways. You remember the old phrase about the glass being half full versus half empty. How we interpret something colors how we feel about it. There's this coupling between our interpretation and our perceptions and our emotions. Is something good or is it bad? One might trigger feelings of joy, while the other might cause feelings of dread. Perception matters because feelings matter. Since our belief strongly shapes our experiences, it's worth our really putting some thought into understanding those beliefs. If we have beliefs that no longer serve us, although perhaps at one time they did, or worse, perhaps beliefs that even hurt us, we can exercise our adult powers of choice to change those negative beliefs. We all absorb a deep layering of effectively programming that shapes our beliefs, from the many interactions that we have with our parents, with others in power, people at schools, etc., and from our peers. And so it's good to take a look at what we've absorbed. Knowing how we truly feel about ourselves and how we see ourselves is also a big part of self-knowledge. We all know, I think, that it's really true that we can be our own worst enemies or friends. If we feel that we're bad or broken, or helpless, we're most likely going to believe that we're defeated, and we'll withdraw, and we'll feel shame. In contrast, if we feel that we're good, or virtuous, or talented, we're likely to feel powerful, and worthy of love and admiration, and really capable of many things. So we basically hold the power to empower ourselves, or to disable ourselves. We can consciously change our self-perception, especially if we have help from those who care about us and who love us. That's really a worthwhile thing to engage in. So now let's think a little bit about how we act, the aspects of self-knowledge that really key into how we engage with the world and how we engage with the others around us. Knowing how we see and feel about others and about how we relate to the world is a big piece of self-knowledge. How we see others can affect how we feel about them. If we believe everybody is out to get us, we're always going to be defensive and closed off. We know how much energy it takes to keep ourselves in a defensive stance. That's not a very pleasant way to live. Fearing others can be especially damaging. That can turn life basically into a zero-sum game in which we need to preserve ourselves by beating everybody else to the draw. Making sure that they lose. And that, of course, makes everybody else our adversaries. Again, that's not a very pleasant way to live. When we consider the face or image that we present to others, we realize that that also strongly colors how they respond to us. As such, it's really worth really thinking about how others perceive us and how we, in our interactions with them. So, just as our feelings and beliefs, bias how we see others, so too others are affected by how we present ourselves. Being sour-faced and unfriendly will make us seem unapproachable. We'll have a hard time making connections. The converse is also true. If we're cheery and good-spirited and open to others, others will respond in kind and they will want to get into relationship with us. Just as we're able to shape our beliefs, so too we're able to become conscious of and decide how we want to present ourselves to the world. It's a worthwhile effort. Knowing how to behave toward others and toward the world, it's important to recognize that we have to be honest. We have to be honest first and foremost with ourselves because it's often easier to fool ourselves than it is to fool others. Knowing how we behave toward others and toward the world is an important part of self-knowledge. We need to approach that with self-honesty and with clarity of vision. We know that self-honesty can be elusive sometimes. We can be very good at fooling ourselves, perhaps easier to fool ourselves than it is to fool others. We humans are very adept at self-delusion. We're inclined to see the world the way we think it should be or the way we wish it to be, not necessarily as it actually is. Being aware of our feelings and desires is a good step toward seeing our behavior realistically. That requires self-reflection. We have to be able to slow down, get out of high gear, and get into a sufficiently quiet space in our own heads that we can be in touch with our feelings and that we can recognize what our desires are. In our relationships, we need to consider how our attitudes and actions affect the others around us. If we care about not having a negative impact on those that we care about, we're going to want to understand their goals and desires so that we don't unintentionally step on their toes in the course of pursuing our own interests. That is just broadening our awareness to encompass others around us that we care about. So, now that we have a little understanding of what constitutes self-knowledge, how do we gain that knowledge? Well... One low-lying fruit approach is to dedicate some time to thinking about ourselves, our desires, our goals, our likes and dislikes, our beliefs, and the feelings about those things. In order to do that, we need to get quiet. We need to get away from distractions. This whole process may be a bit uncomfortable for those of us who are perhaps less reflective and more action-oriented, but it's essential We can't very well find and steer a sound course through life if we don't have a map and a compass. And the only way to get those is to slow down and get in touch with ourselves. Another way to really get some self-understanding is to, in a sense, triangulate with trusted others. That is, to use the process that surveyors use to get a fix on the location of an object from three different points. In this particular case, triangulate may involve any number of trusted others, but the idea is that we can utilize the perspectives of those that we know, who we trust, and who care about us, to get their impressions and compare notes with versus our own perceptions. This is one way to maybe reduce the risk of self-misperception. We can ask our friends, because they're approachable to us, we can ask them how they see us. You can trust them to be straight with you, and if they're friends, they have your best interests in mind, and we all need mirrors, preferably flat rather than warped ones. Consider what your friends and acquaintances tell you, even though some of it may sting if it hits too close to the mark, or it may not match your own assessments. But don't assume that they're necessarily right and you're wrong, or the other way around. The important thing is to give their inputs the honest attention and consideration that it deserves. If you find that there are significant differing perceptions, that's good food for thought. In that case, you'll need to consider what of that is worth acting on and what specifically you want to do about it to close the gaps between the two. I would suggest that you focus on big differences and on high impact ones. Forget the small stuff. There's a lot of that in life, but it ultimately doesn't matter. In some cases, the only thing that's needed is an increase in our awareness. If, for example, we are told by those who know us well that we inadvertently come across as aloof or cold, that's probably not something that we intend. In that case, Just being aware of the potential for being perceived in that way might well be enough to make us open up and be warmer and more outreach to others that would reduce that that risk of being misperceived. And again, if there are big differences between the way you see yourself and what you might want to become, come up with a plan. Changes, especially big changes, won't happen by themselves. So now that we have a bit more self-knowledge, we need to decide what do we want to be. Why bother with all this effort toward acquiring self-knowledge? The main reason is it gives us choices. We can choose to be our best selves, as we define best, for both ourselves and for others. And of course, we're all a work in progress, lifelong. We're not destined to be something we don't want to be. And what we do want may change over time. That's okay. That's all part of our natural evolution. Becoming, or being, who we want to be should help us feel comfortable and satisfied with ourselves. And that ease with ourselves should be apparent to those that we interact with. Personal genuineness is about a lack of major conflict in ourselves. People seem to have a good, strong kind of a radar for detecting genuineness, and it puts them at ease and facilitates relationship connection when they feel that you're being genuine with them. And of course, the opposite is also true. If they perceive that you're not quite being square with them, they're likely to be guarded and closed up, and it will be difficult for them to really connect with you. It's hard to relax with and trust someone who we sense is conflicted. When someone seems at ease with who they are, that makes it easier for us to trust and open up to them. Self-knowledge doesn't require or imply our conformance with any specific ideal self. There is no such thing. All it means is that you're comfortable with who you truly are, and because through self-knowledge you've acquired an understanding of who you truly are, you can discern when you are in alignment with yourself, and that should make you at ease and comfortable, and that in turn will make it easier for you to relate with other people. Now, there's a huge variety in the type of people out in the world, obviously. Variety is a big motivator in the human quest for connection. We won't be equally attracted to everyone, and nor will others be necessarily attracted to us. Instead, like will seek out light. In fact, living in an echo chamber where everybody is alike is awfully uninteresting and it can limit our potential for development. Differences are healthy, as long as they're accompanied by good, solid, mutual respect. We need to be who we are, secure in the belief that there are those who will understand and value us, and who will seek out connection with us. So, in future episodes of Two Open Doors, we're going to be exploring further how we can find and connect deeply with kindred spirits, those who are compatible and also self-aware. Stay tuned. Please join us again for our upcoming episodes of Two Open Doors. Thanks for listening.